Father of glory and the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I come to you, Lord, pleading for your great mercy that you will grant me the words to say to this your people. Let your name and only your name through your son Jesus Christ be exalted. Your name be magnified. May you continually be exalted in our midst. Grant us, O God, the hearts to understand, the eyes to see, and the ears to hear. In your great mercy, O God, may you consecrate us unto you as we worship you through the proclamation and the listening of your word. O God, we want to thank you, Lord, together as your people, that you lead, you lead us into paths of righteousness and you instruct us sinners in your way. May you cause us to walk in your truth. And may you cause us to know your peace through Jesus Christ, our glorious Son, in his precious, powerful, and sweet by the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I look at my life, uh, I was thinking, with all the mistakes I've done in my life, I, I was thinking, how is it possible that, you know, me, a sinner, inclined and prone to mistakes, inclined to dishonor God and belittle God's name, and with all the blunders that I have made in my life, how is it possible that I'm still here? How is it possible that with all the mistakes I've done, God forgives. How is it possible that I'm still able to praise him with all the mistakes I've done? How is it possible that I'm still able to serve him, the most undeserving of all sinners? How is that possible? I was thinking that when we were worshiping through songs, I was thinking about that. And God's answer to me is, it's not really about you, Rod. It's about my goodness to you, my great mercy. See, I have been for you before you were born. I'm not against you. I foreknew you and I love you with an everlasting love. That's God's promise to us. With all these things that, you know, sometimes, you know, God does not remember my sins no more. He's not against me. And yet, there are times that even my conscience is against me. Christ has taken away my sin and my shame, but I think about all the guilt and the shame that I have done. Even actually other people will not forget what you have done. They will not allow you. And even my own conscience will not allow me. My condemning thoughts. But thanks be to God through the Holy Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. So He leads me. The Holy Spirit reminds me 
of God's promises. See, our hope, the foundation, the solid foundation of our hope is rooted in the work of Christ. God, who did not spare his own son, we were, it was read to us, right? But see, the question that I would think about is, just like the question that Gideon asked thousands of years ago, in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? See, the angel appeared to Gideon, and she, so he asked, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, when why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and give us, given us into the hand of the Midian? See, the Israelites in the time of Judges, specifically during the time of Gideon, were being pressed against all sides by the Midianites and the Amalekites. So all these countries gang up together against Israel. They plundered their goods, they plundered their pomegranates and vines, they took all their cattle, they attacked, they get attacked, and the people gang up and they were attacked. So the Israelites and Gideon, who's the judge then, was saying, what, where, if the Lord is with us, why is this thing happening to us? If the Lord is with me, how come I'm going through all this suffering? If the Lord is with me, how come life is so against me? If the Lord is with me, how come I'm going through this sickness? If the Lord is with me, why is this happening to my family? If the Lord is with me, why is this happening to me? See, the questions that Gideon asked thousands of years ago, we still ask, don't we? And I look at my life, I am prone to forgetfulness. I forget the promises of God. My heart is inclined to neglect to pray when I'm being pressed from all sides. There's no more Amalekites, no more Midianites, but there's all these people around me pressing against me, sometimes reminding me of what I have done. I remember there was a time my son-in-law visited the, we used, we, we grew up, my children grew up in Winnipeg. So my, my son-in-law, his, his family still lived there. So he visited there one time. And then when he came back, he was there for two weeks. He came back, said, Dad. Said, you know, these people came out to me, said, oh, is your uh, father Rod? Yeah. What happened to him? I heard we, he did these things. And that was years ago. He, people will not allow you to forget the mistake you have done. But God is for us. Who can be against us? These people may be against you, but who really matters? The person who really matters says, he is for you, he is not against you. That's not my word, it's God's word. But yet we ask the question, where are all the promises of God? Well, the promises of God, God never leaves. God's promises 
has been there for thousands of years. Although the question remains, why does God allow us? If God is supposedly in control, if a loving God is supposedly in control, why is these things happening to me? Why am I beset with all this suffering that I'm going through in life? If God loves me, then why did this happen to me? Why do hard things happen to me when a loving God was supposedly in control? I remember there's a passage in John 9, chapter 9, verse 3. When the word of God says, when all these things are happening to us, even the consequences of our sins, God allows us to go through those consequences and God allows us that these people remind us of all the mistakes that we have done. There's a passage that says that the works of God might be displayed. That the works of God, that his forgiveness, that his sustenance, his great mercy, his great power, his goodness will be displayed in my life and through my life. And the same thing with you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Again, like I said last Sunday, it's a rhetorical question. So this rhetorical question that Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not? Also, with him, graciously gives us all things. So if we put it in a statement, it's like this. Since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, he will certainly, definitely give you all things to conform you to the likeness of Jesus. Since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, he will certainly definitely grant you the things you need in this life in order for God to display his work in your life. Since God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, he will certainly, definitely grant you the grace to sustain you in whatever it is you're going through so that the work of God might be displayed. God is committed to the good of his people. He is wholeheartedly committed. The issue is not God, but how much we trust Him. I've said this before. See, if we trust God, we will see that in the prayer of David in Psalm 25. We will see that later as we digest that. But here it is. When we trust God, or if we trust God, and you take refuge in his name, you will never be put to shame. You know why? You know why you will never be put to shame? Because when you trust God, the, the character of God is at stake. 
and he will never disown his name. He will never do that. What God is committed to the glory of his name. So when you put your faith and trust in him, God's character and attributes are at stake. And he will always, always uphold the value and the worth and the glory of his name. That's why his character is backing you up when you trust him. Because God, there's something God will never do. He will never malign his name. He upholds the worth and the value of his name. So if I take God as my refuge in all the things I'm going through, God will never disappoint me. God will grant us the courage to do what he wants us to do, even though at times we may, we may be unwilling to do it. There are times that we don't want to serve God, but when we trust God, he grants us the courage and the grace to do what he wants us to do. We must trust him, though. We must have faith. If I have faith, one thing God will not do, he will not disappoint me. He will not, he will not devalue. God will not devalue or malign his name. He will not do that. Because from eternity, God has been upholding the worth and the glory of his name. That's why he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. So if God is for you, who can be against you? Even though the world and this coronavirus may be against us. I was telling some of our brothers and sisters today that I, I was asked by a church, one of our churches in B, at BCBC, to preach next Sunday. So he called me last week if I have uh, availability for March 15. I said, yeah, sure. I'm preaching on March 1, March 8 at our you know, good church, good brothers and sisters at New Hope, then I'm free March 15. I'm preaching on March 22nd at the Connect Church again, but you're March 15. Two days after he called me, emergency, I said, what's happening? I'm not going to name the name uh, for confidentiality. He said, Rod, uh, uh, I'd like to cancel the, your scheduled preaching. I said, why? Said, there, we had a visitor last Sunday. That was uh, March 1st, I guess, right? And apparently the person who visited them was one of those reported cases of coronavirus. So now the pastor, he went for testing, and he said he called me in four days. I don't know why it will take four days for him to find out about the results. So now they decided that today there's no worship service, and for next Sunday, I guess that two, two, two weeks. Two weeks. That's probably why. Said so all this, I, I said to myself, my goodness, this is close. And we, when uh, the Saturday before that Sunday, we were together with him, and he was shaking my hands. I get, you know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is just a runny nose. You know, but uh, truly, uh, you know, our brother was saying, can I, can I control it? God is the only one that can protect me. And yes, 
yes, I do believe if God ordains for me to get this COVID-19, I can't really, I can't really do anything. One thing God does not want me to do is to struggle with sin. He wants me to struggle against sin and live by faith. That's what God wants me to do. Because his promise is whatever it is. Remember Paul, he's saying, we are being slaughtered. We are like a sheep being slaughtered and we face death all day long. We are suffering, but God is for us. Then who can be against us? Diseases, challenges, trials, failures. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Oh, good. Last Sunday, you were not alert. You're alert this Sunday, today. <laughs> Who shall bring any charge against us? If God does not bring any charge against us, because the most innocent person, the only innocent person in the whole world, Jesus Christ, was condemned so that the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice of God, which is Jesus Christ, he took that punishment that was for me. Therefore, because Christ took that punishment, Christ took that condemnation, Christ took that wrath of God that was supposed to be upon us, therefore, God is not against me, and he does not condemn me. Romans 8.1, how many of you memorized that Romans 8.1? Therefore, there is no more condemnation to those who are in Christ. You must have faith, though. If you have faith, you are no longer condemned. Yes, our conscience may condemn us. All our past may still remember, but God remember our sins no more. He has thrown our sins into the deepest part of the sea. Who is God like us who pardons our sins and our iniquities. There is no one like our God. I think it's in Isaiah 55, if I'm not mistaken, where it says the passage, you remember this passage. Our God, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And then, you notice after that passage, he says, who forgives like our God? Well, there is no one like our God who forgives our transgressions, our violence offenses against God, our dishonor of God, our belittling of God's glory, God forgives if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Therefore, God is no longer against you. I don't know, maybe you're like me, or maybe you're not, I became a Christian in 1987, and there were many times. I'm not going to say what I did, but I did a lot of things wrong. And there were times I didn't feel like serving. You know why I didn't feel like serving? Because of all the mistakes I've done. I didn't feel worthy, and I don't want to serve anymore. And you know what my pastor told me? Listen to this. I'm sure you've probably gone through these thoughts. The broad what is wrong? Do you believe in the gospel? I said, yeah. How come you can't forgive yourself? That's actually, when you say you can't serve because you cannot forgive yourself, that's actually an arrogant thinking. I said, why is that? You know why? Because the word of God said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. All. So I said, 
Is that well? That's not what the Bible said. That means you don't want to forgive yourself. That means you think you're higher than God. So actually, that's an arrogant thinking. Because you don't take, and you can't take God at His word. If God is for me, then who can be against me? My conscience is against me, and yet God says. Now, you need to feel the force of this statement. But Paul said, what can we say about these things? If God is for you, who can be against you? The world and the light may be against you. But you know what? God is for you. He wants to honor you. He wants to equip you with everything good to do His will so that the work of God, God Himself, may be glorified in your life. Once I heard what my pastor's rebuke, I said, oh my goodness. Oh God, forgive me for being such an arrogant person that I think I'm like you. Well, actually, I'm not like God because God forgives. Right? God forgives. He is so willing to forgive. You know why he is willing to forgive? Because he did not spare his own son. Now, I'm going to tell you something else regarding... Yeah, just think about this. Now he said, oh my goodness, this is such a staggering statement that God is for me. For those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, God is for them. Now he said, my goodness, that's amazing, amazing love of God, isn't it? Amazing. Now I'm going to take you to a passage in John 17. And I'm going to show you that extent of that love. Now, of course, this is the extent. But in John 17, this is the prayer of Jesus. I think it's there, right? The next. John 17. I think it's in the next one. Yes. John 17, chapter 20, verse 25. Let's read this together. This, what, this is the prayer of Jesus. He says in verse 20. I do not ask for this only. Meaning... See, he's praying for the disciples. And then he says, I'm not only praying for the disciples, Father. I'm also praying for these, your peop the people who will believe. But for those, also for those who will believe in me through their word, meaning us. Okay? Meaning us. All the people that believe after the birth of the church. That they also, that they may all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. Just Sense the force of this prayer. Okay? This for us, the church. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. So Jesus continues in verse 23. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them. Just notice the past tense. Okay, I'm going to explain that later. Jesus prayed, said, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, that's the church, may be with me where I am. Now, where is Jesus? He is 
seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father in the presence of God's glory. To see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. Now I say, you, you, you can't really grasp the meaning. It's so unfathomable to grasp the meaning of before the foundation of the world. I think it's in verse 5 when he, Jesus said, before the ages began. Now, we can probably describe that as in eternity past. So in eternity past, the love of the Father and the Son is there already perfect. The love between the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here Jesus saying that the love the Father has for Jesus, it has always existed before the creation of the world, before the foundation of the world, before the ages began. Not only that. He continues, he said, Father, I decide that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and this, the church, know you that have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known present, that the love which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Now, this is staggering. This is a life transforming path. This just staggers me to the core. So the love of the Father and the Son is perfect. Right? And it has just always existed. There's a passage in Romans chapter 8 when those whom he foreknew, remember that? The foreknew means, it goes, the meaning of that foreknew is back in the Old Testament when God says to Israel, like, I know you, I have known you, and I have loved you whenever it's lasting love. So meaning God's people, because he knows us intimately, God has loved us before the creation of the world. Before the ages began, before the foundation of the world, God has set his sight upon the church, upon you, those who would believe in his name, and those of you who believe in his name through Jesus Christ. This kind of truth will sustain you and will enable you to persevere. Because it's such a staggering promise. And said, Really? Really? Well, we will see that later on in Psalm 25. We will see that later on, how it applies. Because we just don't sit in our laurels when the, this staggering truth comes to us. The Holy Spirit, when we are struggling, this is what I've noticed. When we are sinning against God, when we're struggling against God, which we should not, but when life is against us, the Holy Spirit, the third person, the triune God, will remind me of the promises of God. He will never leave me. He will not forsake me. He's always committed for my good and for the glory of his name because the glory of Jesus has always existed and it's been always there. 
Now you notice, he says, verse 6, I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make known that the love, look at this, the love between the Father and the Son may be in where? In who? In you. Now, I, I really can't fathom this. Let me tell you. The love of the Father and Son is so intense, so perfect, so righteous, such a, it's like a bright shining sun, like a noonday sun. But somehow, in my sinful nature, God, as much as God bestows upon me, I will be able to experience that love. And no one can stop God in showing you that love. It's, that's, what it, that's what it means. So even at the height, when you sense, when you feel life is against you because of whatever it is you're going through, God is committed to your good. Now you say, well, yeah, pastor, but why? Why? Why is these things happening to me? Well, from Adam and Eve, when sin entered the world, suffering entered the world. Remember when God put judgment upon after Adam and Eve fell? Right? The thorns and the thistles, right? Now also the corruption of the body, right? The pain in childbirth, right? The sweating when you're working, the hard work. That judgment came in after the fall. God, in Romans chapter 8 again, God has subjected this present world in futility and corruption. And yet, and yet, Paul says, God did not spare his own son. So even in the consequences of what we have done, even in all these things, we are being beset and pressed from all sides. God will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God's promise. I, I don't think, I'm not sure the extent. I don't think because, because, see, because of my sinful nature, I will not be able to fully grasp the meaning of the love that God has for me. But as much as God bestows that wisdom upon me as I trust him, I will be able to experience it because that's his promise. Does that make sense? But, you know, this faith is it's a fight. It's an embattled faith, right? There are times we're up and there are times we're down. But it doesn't matter. The opinion or the truth of the only one matter says he is for you. He's never against you. Now I want to go to the application. Love this. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, by the way, this is, you know who prayed this, right? David. David is like uh, uh, the Apostle Paul. David is the chief of all sinners. We were kind of in competition here. I say I'm the chief of all sinners. Paul says he's the chief of all sinners. David is one of them. 
because of the really evil things that we have done against God. But look at the prayer. Look at the humility of this man and his the utter, his utter, total dependence on God's mercy. I'm going to say this again. I don't know if I've said this before last Sunday. I'm not sure, probably in the past preaching, but he, there's this kind of thinking, kind of proliferating among Christians. I'm not sure if it's like that in the Philippines. I don't know. But possibly here in North America, because we are we're under this deception of self-sufficiency. God created people, whether they're Christians or not. God created humanity to depend on God's mercy. You know that? There's this false teaching that are being believed out there that we can be self-sufficient. No one is self-sufficient. There's only one self-sufficient person in the whole world. Who is that? That's right. My grace is sufficient for you. He's the only one that is absolutely self-sufficient. That's God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I am not. I am a created being. Psalm 104. If you want to read that and meditate on that. I depend on God for food. I depend on God for breath. I depend on God for scales. I depend on God for mercy. I depend on God for grace. I depend on God for strength. I depend on God for wisdom. If God created me to be self-sufficient, then his command in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 does not make sense. Now, what is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord. Oh, there's one there. That group there is sharp. Thank you. Trust. Now, this is a command. Now, just listen to this. God said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But lean not on your own understanding. In all Wait, wait. In some of your ways, I like that. That's how you get to correct the pastor. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Now, if God created you so that you can be sufficient in some things, God would not have said in all your ways, acknowledge him. Does it make sense? So, if you... Depend on yourself for some things and you don't acknowledge God, you're actually sinning against God. If you make decisions and you don't trust God, you don't acknowledge God in some of the decisions you make, especially the ones that you want to do and don't, you know, you don't want to tell people, then you are actually contradicting the Word of God. This is the theme. We are created to depend on God's mercy. We depend on God for food. God gives us what? Life. He gives us breath. 
He gives us everything every day. God is not served by human hands as if God needs anything from us. We need everything from God. God does not need anything from us. He does command us to worship Him so that we may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His wonderful light. To proclaim. That's what it means to serve. is to proclaim His excellencies. To proclaim His glory. To manifest His glory. But I depend on God for strength to do that. I depend on God to forgive me of my sins. I depend on God for mercy. So when I come to God and confess my sins, He is faithful and just. So I depend on God for His mercy. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be, let me not, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. That means those who reject God and don't trust God, they will be put to shame. God will deprive them of wisdom. They will, God will give them mercy to live this life. God still gives them ability to make money. God gives them breath. Right? But they don't have wisdom. They don't have wisdom to understand God's truth. When they hear the truth of God, they are not compelled and they are not staggered in the very core of their being. But those who trust God will understand who God is. Those who trust God will have the wisdom to understand when God is speaking to them. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me you. For you are the God of my salvation. For in for you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. The opposite of that is true. If you are arrogant, you will not know when God is talking to you. If you are arrogant, you will not know that you're already living in sin. And God will deprive you of that wisdom. But because God is good, he instructs us sinners in his ways. So those of us, hopefully all of us, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus and we continue to believe in Jesus, God will always speak to us. He instructs sinners in God's ways. Teaches the humblest way and all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, Pardon my guilt, for it is great. Few things here. It will be fatal. It will be a spiritual suicide for Christians not to pray like this. 
it's fatal for Christians not to own the promises of God for us. It is spiritual suicide. Because the word of God tells me, if I trust God, he will not disappoint. If I ask God for wisdom, remember James chapter 1? If you ask for wisdom, believe, don't doubt, and God will grant it liberally, graciously. Of course, make sure that your sins are confessed and you repent of your sins. Because the promise is, if you, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word just there is because God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Therefore, when we confess, we trust in the forgiveness that God has given to us because Christ died for our sins once and for all and cannot be repeated again. Therefore, it would be arrogant for me to think that I can forgive myself. If God forgives me, who am I not to forgive myself? If God don't remember my sins no more, who am I to keep condemning myself? Or let's say other people. Right? God is for us. It would be fatal for Christians not to depend on God's mercy. Two things, few things I've been saying here. When we pray, I know there are good, meaning, sincere Christians who pray and they demand from God. And sometimes they pray and, uh, you know, just remember that uh, the Pharisees in Luke chapter 18, when he was asking God, Lord, I'm not like this tax collector. Remember that? Right? I'm not tax collector. I pray and I fast three times a day. So that guy, that Pharisees, the most religious, from the most religious group during the time of Jesus, he was praying according to his track record. Right? His track record, he prays three times a day. He did this, he did good, he's serving. Whatever they serve, he's, he's asking God based on his track record. You notice, David here, the psalmist, when he's praying to God, he's invoking, he's not praying according to his merit, or he's not, he's not praying according to his track record. Lord, I have done this, so do this for me. Lord, I have done this, so bless me. Lord, I have done this, so... No, that's not what he's saying. He's invoking two things. He said, verse 7. Uh, is it verse 7? Oh, nice. Where did that come from? Thank you. Verse 6. Remember your mercy. So when we ask God, when we pray to God, we don't ask God, we don't pray to God according to our track record, but according to God's great mercy. Second, verse 11. The second one that David is doing when he's praying to God, when he's asking God, he's invoking God's mercy and for the sake of God's name. And you know, when you invoke God's great name and his great mercy, 
he will never put you to shame because God's character is at stake. So, and you notice, he said, Lord, your name is great. Your mercy is great. My guilt is great. You notice that? Pardon my guilt, Lord. My guilt is great. But your name is greater. Your mercy is greater. That's the kind of attitude we should have. We should not say, Lord, bless me because I serve. Lord, bless me because I have done this. Lord, bless me. Well, let me tell you something wrong with that. Let's say tomorrow. Do you think you will sin tomorrow? Uh, do you think you will sin tomorrow? Well, you don't want to commit willful sin. But let's say your thoughts. You think you will sin tomorrow? Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you, Brother June. You know, there, there are things, good things that I want to do that I cannot do it. There are bad things that I do that I don't want to do. But thanks be to God who saves me from these things. So when I sin tomorrow, it's not that God suddenly is angry at me and then will deprive me of the strength. See, God is already for me. So when I make a mistake, I confess my sin. So let's say in a given day, I confess my sins to God maybe a hundred times. Do you do that? Because I trust in God's great mercy. I trust in the goodness of God for the sake of his name. I trust in the name of Jesus that he will forgive me and he will equip me with everything good to do his will. And he will not disappoint me. Because I'm trusting in him. I'm not trusting in my track record. I'm not trusting because I attend the prayer, the prayer meeting. I go to connect. Like, I, you know, I, I serve because of what's happened there. But I don't go to their prayer meeting on Wednesday. Uh, that's intentional. That's a strategy that I do. But I do pray with them. I do pray for them, but I don't attend the prayer. I'm not encouraging not to attend. I'm not saying that. Right? Because the Word of God says we need to be prayerful. But there are times that I don't attend. But what I'm saying is when we come to God, we should not come to God based on our own righteousness. But the righteousness that is through faith in Jesus. That is God's, for the sake of his name, and for the sake of his great mercy. I think it's in Psalm 147 when the word of the Lord said, The Lord delights in those who fear him, who hope in his unfailing love. I'm done. I know some of us are falling asleep. So, it would be fatal and suicidal for us not to trust God because his promises are there. It would be fatal for you and suicidal for you spiritually if you don't trust God with all your heart, if you don't acknowledge him in all your ways. Because you have to contend with God's word. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the reason why he says, lean not on your own understanding, because God already knows that the inclinations of my heart is what? Evil and beyond cure. 
I am prone to sin. That's why the word of God said, incline your ear to me. So my prayer is, when I read this, oh God, in you I trust. Lord, there are times that I don't trust you. I pray that you will help me to trust you today. It would be fatal not to pray that. When he said, Lord, you said, those who trust in you will never be put to shame. Lord, forgive me that I do not trust you all the time. Help me to trust you. It would be fatal in spiritual suicide if God said, remember your mercy, O Lord, your steadfast love for the help from all. It would be suicidal for us not to ask God for his great mercy to be bestowed upon us. It would be suicidal and fatal for Christians if they hear, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way to pray, Lord, instruct me in your ways. If you don't pray that, it will be fatal and suicidal for you. That's why some of us are not growing and not being productive in serving God. Because we don't, there are sins that remain and we don't confess them to God. He says, he instructs sinners in the way, Lord, cause me to know your truth and cause me to walk in your truth. Equip me with everything good to do your will, that you may work in me that which is pleasing in your sight. Lord, grant me the grace to serve you. Grant me the grace to love people. Grant me the wisdom to understand people. Grant me the wisdom to understand my children, my grandchildren. Grant me the, the, the faithfulness, the strength to love my, and honor my wife. It would be fatal not to pray that because the Lord said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will guide you in the right path. Does that make sense? God is for you. No one can be against. So even if we're sinning against God, when the Lord convicts us, he's not against us. He is leading us into paths of righteousness for his namesake. Remember the prayer of David, Psalm 23? Yeah, though I walk into the valley of the shadow that I will fear no evil for you are with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And somewhere around there, he says, you lead me in paths of righteousness. How does God do that? He convicts me of my sin against him. And he leads me to repentance. That's how God is committed for my good. Because he, he, God does not want me to miss out on the glory of his name, on his goodness and mercy. Let's pray. Father, you are glorious beyond whatever we can think and imagine. You are able to do extravagantly, abundantly above all we can ever ask or think. You are the God of all flesh and there is nothing too difficult for you. Thank you for reminding us, O oh Lord, of your extravagant, immeasurable love, the unsearchable riches of your grace through Jesus Christ, your glorious Son. O oh God, holy and righteous Father, Continue, Lord, to make known to us the glory of your name. Continue, Lord, to grant us hearts to understand, eyes to see, and ears to hear. For you are good, and you always do good. 
and you are committed for the good of your people and for the glory of your great name. And according to your great mercy, O God, may you pardon our guilt, for our guilt before you is great. Forgive us for our arrogant thoughts. Forgive us, Lord, that we think we are self-sufficient beings. O God, we depend on you for breath, for life, for everything, every day, every moment. Apart from you, O God, we can do nothing. Thanks be to you, O God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, for giving us the, the time, Lord, to proclaim your truth and to listen to your truth. We love you and we surrender our hearts to you, through Jesus Christ our Lord, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. Benediction. <clears throat> Father, we turn our hearts towards you. And we incline our hearts to you. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe in our heart that you, O oh God, have raised him from the dead. And now I commend to you, your people, Father. May you make your face shine upon your people and grant them your peace. May you make your grace known to your people and may you grant them the peace, the provision, the protection according to your great mercy. Oh God, may you bless your people richly through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I now commend them to you, oh God, with great joy, without fault, and without blame. To you, the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, honor, and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord throughout all the ages. Amen. <clears throat>